Every year, Thanksgiving night, we flocked out behind Dad as he dragged the Santa suit to the road and draped it over a kind of crucifix he'd built out of metal pole in the yard. Lightning recap in Sticks by George Saunders. A man decorates us sticks in his yard. Hey, hey, hey. You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. I love running gags. And, you know, a great running gag is one where uh, we pretend like we read a book the previous week. What what book should we have read in the form of a short story? Uh, a book in the form of a short story, a very, very, very short story, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, was Sticks by George Saunders. So this is literally a two-paragraph story. It's teeny tiny bitty. But it packs a lot in that little space. It really does. It's very, uh, it, it, it's a, a kind of a little bit of a, a light slap to the face. It's not a punch to the face. It's a light slap to the face of a story. Yeah, and the you know what the real problem with it is? It's exceptionally relatable to anyone who has lost any one thing or place. That's, I mean, I, I think that's part of its genius is that this is a, this is a singular experience, but there's aspects of it that everyone can relate to. Most people can. Mm -hmm. It is a, well, one of course, now that we're in a squad gourd season, that it is definitively a story of making your inner turmoil a part of your outer exterior presentation, <laughs> which is really interesting. Because at, at first, he's literally, the story is, this dude likes to decorate this pole, which I assume was a Festivus pole. Of course. And uh, after that, after he uh, he loses his wife, things change and the pole becomes well different yeah, it definitely that the joy seems to be stripped from it from this one joyful act that he had left um or that he indulged in rather and yeah, it does seem like it it changes and it gets a lot darker um and becomes yeah it's it's exactly like you said that was a brilliant way of saying it the manifestation of the external or sorry, other way around, the internal, um, like making externalizing it. And that's that's a really, uh, I think, effective way of saying it. And I think the the power of the story lies in one, it's, it's very well written, uh, not particularly wordy, but also not particularly spare. But it has stripped away where instead of stripping away the elements of the prose it has stripped away the elements of the story because there's a whole lot of story that happens outside of this that makes this story meaningful and we have to fill in those gaps and again it's a writer who trusts the reader to to understand and to be able to fill in those gaps um so that you, we're not necessarily talking down and it, it definitely makes it 
a, a text that you have to interact with even more because of that. But that's a good thing. Or it could be a writer who hates his audience. Like, here, you deal with it. And just gives you the little bit you to do everything else. He's giving you more work to do. So there's definitely the cup half full person. And then there's the cup half empty person. And I think we've just demonstrated. I think you mean there are right people and then half glass full people. Well, you know, uh, you're always telling me that I'm correct. So, you know, you know, you know. Damn fool logic. I love it. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting. The, the stick in the hands of another writer would feel less like more like a setting than as a character. And here I think it feels like a character. A character that does nothing, but <laughs> it serves for sure. And and I go. Are you still there? Oh yeah. Oh I'm waiting for you. I've been hearing about half of every sentence and Okay, I've been hearing about half of every sentence and just kind of trying to 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 go with it. <laughs> I think I'm doing okay so far, but yep. hey, you, got, you got me clipped. <laughs> then, like when there's a long pause, I'm like, wait, is that an actual pause? Is he waiting for me to start talking, or am I just not hearing him talk? It's just like I feel like I'm on a high wire. Um, I'm way too stoned to be on high wire. Uh, so. Anyhow, what did you say last? I was saying that the the stick kind of serves as a character, but at the same time, a lesser author would make it into a setting. And I think the what the stick is in the story and how you view the stick determines whether this is a happy element or a sad element in the story. Well, there you go. Glass half full, glass half empty. This uh, how you read the story really just determines your entire outlook on life. Not to put too much pressure on reading the story. It's not a. It's not the Rorschach test that everything. Us, pre pressure on reading a story like every single week. Us never. Hey, I read a novel last week. Ooh, Mr. Smarty Pants over here reading a whole book. Well, I listened to the audiobook. Um, <laughs> but still. It counts. It, it counts. It qualifies. It still counts. Um, but I think there's some parts in this where you see how I kind of think desperate is the right word. <laughs> uh, the desperate connection he has to this poll. Uh, uh, he covered it with cotton swabs that winter for warmth and provided offspring by hammering in six crossed sticks around the yard. I mean, first off, there's the obvious uh, sort of symbology of the six crossed sticks, and there's that whole, uh, apparently there's a religion where crossed sticks are kind of seen as a uh, a big marker. Yes, I, it's a... It... It's like a cult religion. Nobody knows about it. It's, you know, something it's very, coming. Very hipster. <laughs> but it's, it's that he's 
covered it with cotton swabs that winter for warmth as if it's a person that he needs to protect and you see all of these sort of uh you know he ran links of string between the pole and the sticks and taped the string of letters of apology admissions of error pleas for understanding all written in a frantic hand on index cards i mean one the first vibes i get of course are the uh it's always sunny meme where he's got the board and he's pointy. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem though that there's a lot of regret here. This is somebody basically trying to make his feelings into something uh, fully formed and tangible. Um, and you can you can really see that and how it progresses from uh, less like literal and you know aside from not being as joyful it becomes more almost like abstract and avant garde and symbolic um, and so you can you can feel that as he he goes from it just representing the you know the next holiday to come down the calendar pages into painting a sign that says love or another that says forgive with a question mark I mean that's that's those are two very, very different behaviors. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, there is a very interesting turn, of course, once, uh, you know, and mom died and he dressed the pole as death and hung from the crossbarred photos of mom as a baby. Uh, that's dark. That's that's goth. I go so far as to say. Um, but where is the uh, at one point, it seems like it is performance art that he's doing. Uh, when an earthquake struck Chile, he lay he laid the pole on its side and spray painted a rift in the earth. That just image is like that's someone who is being playful. It really is. I mean, uh, playful and and almost a little like again. I'm I'm bringing in the symbolism there um, that he is is now symbolizing tragedy um, and and you know huge loss uh, instead of and disasters instead of. Christmas. I really like that there is also the idea that it was so internalized by the family. And this is something that most families have. There's something where when someone says, hey, what's the deal with blank, blank and it just exists in your family to a point where it's just normal. Uh, you know, the, the first time I brought a date over, she said, uh, what's with your dad in that pole? And I sat there blinking like it's just there. It is a part of what this family is. And so, you know, you never question it. Yeah, that's a very good point. And that's something that I think uh, is another thing that is almost universal in understanding because we all have that moment when the outside world touches our home life and we realize some things maybe in the home life are not what everybody expects. <laughs> um, and so, and you realize the differences between yourself and other people, your family and other families. Uh, but until you, you get to that point, until you have a basis for comparison of some kind or somebody to actually like, you know, with to look at everything with outside eyes and be able to give voice to it, it's just part of your life. It's just part of your day, you know? That's just, that's Thanksgiving. We go out and we dress, and dad dresses up the pole. Yeah. And I think what Saunders did here was he divided the story into two paragraphs in which the first, the pole is a completely normal family thing. 
And the second is even when the family is noticing how strange it is. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of deterioration and degeneration and something coming to an end. And it's very much being almost acted out by uh, by dad and the pole. I find it it's it's very dark. Um, it's hard to look away from. Yeah, and I think I think actually there's a really interesting point that uh, George Saunders made himself um, in the contributor notes in Story Magazine, early publisher of William Soroyan, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, he said. For two years, I'd been driving past a house like the one in the story, imagining the owner as a man more joyful and self-possessed and less self-conscious than myself. Then one day I got sick of him and invented his opposite, and there was the story. I want to hear that first story. I want to hear the guy who was joyful. And the way I think the first paragraph is kind of more joyful, more self-possessed, but certainly more self-conscious. I mean, no ice cream at a birthday party. <laughs> well, those first like three sentences are the, the, the good part, as in these are the, you know, the good times. And uh, it starts going down. Like, I feel like that is still kind of a, maybe a holdover, a little ghost whisper of the original uh, man that, that Saunders imagined. Um, except I don't think anybody who... Um, I think no matter what, the person who does this has to be less self-conscious than most. So that doesn't really set it apart because this is a kind of a strange thing to do. Um, I completely lost track of where I am. Uh, you're in a safe place. <laughs> <laughs> Not with this weird sticks being dressed up in football clothes. <laughs> I think this is a story that is impressive in how much it packs in of this guy's character when we get very few. What we're seeing is his leavings. We're not actually seeing his actions so much. And we have to go back and apply what the leavings me meant to his actions and his state of mind. And I just think that's that's a powerful way to go about a story like this. It definitely says something about the things we leave behind that are remembered um, and the importance of maybe making those a good thing and not something that is uh, like immediately. It's like the pole is dad's only concession to glee. And then we get several sentences of, you know, cr a crappy childhood, uh, one single Corolla from the box at a time, et cetera. Um, you know, having your ketchup use policed. And okay, so, yeah, I really think what that's legit there is a ketchup shortage and we need to say that <laughs> nobody tell my husband um he'll panic and start hoarding it <laughs> only ketchup ketchup it's <laughs> the only thing you'd do that with but yeah it definitely feels like the the writer or the the, the protagonist here is able to remember like oh yeah there were a couple good times and then it immediately goes downhill but he wants that we shouldn't leave that behind. We shouldn't leave behind memories that immediately turn sour within a, a couple sentences. So, so I think there's an object lesson here too. Definitely, absolutely. I think this is one of my more favorite of our shorter stories that we've read. It reminds me a lot of uh, 
Susan Minow's lust in that it is and it approaches the structure of the story itself very, very differently as a series of reminiscences in which the realizations that come come in very different ways and you're seeing it through what has already gone past. Well, it's also structurally, I think, um, it's a really fascinating story, the way it, uh, I mean, it covers a large portion of someone's life in two paragraphs. That yeah. that in itself, the shortness of it, says a lot, I think. That's true. Although my life will be covered in two sentences. It's very, very simple. Chris was born and did stuff. Then maybe he died. I like that there's a question mark at the end there. That's important, I think. Always, always leave them wanting a little more. Leave a little mystery in there. Yeah, that's that's my goal, mystery. I'm not completely out there in front of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, got anything else on there, on there, Christy? You asked me if I have anything else to say on this one, and I do not. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, you know, this one was so much fun. We should probably do this again. We should do this again, hopefully with a uh, better connection. Because <laughs> that was a challenge, but we should do this again, and we should read uh, the Huntress by Sophia Samatar. Woohoo! Love it. Love Sophia Samatar because you know everyone's great. Yes. But yes, until then, this has been short story or podcast.